Welcome to A Journey of Transformation Empowerment. You're listening to Antonio T. Smith Jr. Where ideas ignite, change, and possibilities are endless. Before we dive into today's episode, we have something special for our listeners. Today's podcast is brought to you by a groundbreaking book that's reshaping the conversation around Black economic empowerment. It's Resegregation, Volume 1, The Power Matrix, a master plan for Black group economics with wealth creation, authored by visionary Antonio T. Smith, Jr., Antonio isn't just an author. He's a former top-secret combat special operations intelligence sergeant turned millionaire. His life work championed the economic autonomy and wealth creation within black communities. In this seminal work, dedicated to teachings of Dr. Claude Anderson, Antonio outlines a comprehensive blueprint covering critical sectors like finance, technology, manufacturing, and more. He blends military discipline with acute understanding of systematic disparity. This isn't just a book. It's a movement. A call to action to create lasting wealth and reshaping the economic narrative. Antonio's vision is clear. Drive a significant shift toward black ownership and control. Listeners, if you've ever wondered about innovative strategies for wealth creation or how technological transformation can uplift the black communities, then this book is for you. Join Antonio Smith Jr. on the transformative journey. Pick up your copy of The Resegregation Volume 1, The Power Matrix today and be a part of the reshaping future. Now, let's dive into the episode and explore the possibilities that await us. Look, I I have done that too. I actually called my the very first job I ever had, well, second, the very first job I had working for, um, working out of someone's home because they, they worked from home. I called my boss one morning because I, I I jumped up out of my sleep, threw my clothes on, sleep, threw my clothes on, got in the car and I'm going 80 down 45 to get there on time. And I'm calling my boss and she answered the phone. And I was like, Mrs. Sean, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. She's like, baby, calm down. What's the matter? I say I overslept. I know I'm supposed to be there by eight, but I'm on my way. Good morning, Dr. Trask. And she said, and mind you, this is this was when um it gets dark later. So it's almost eight o'clock and the sun's still out. So in my head, and as I'm driving, I'm noticing it's getting a little darker, but at the same time, I'm thinking I wasn't thinking because I'm spazzing out, so I'm gonna be late for work. She said, baby calm down she said it's almost 8 p.m i was like oh y'all if tony 
would didn't give it if Antonio sees I call him Tony if Antonio would not have given me the assignment for this morning I would have still been asleep well no Grace would have called me and woke me up and asked me if I was going to teach this morning but I really thought it was Saturday it was Saturday morning for me I was ready to sleep in late I was just ready to I was just ready to rotate on the rotisserie of the bed (laughs) I was ready for it hey Deanna Mm-hmm. Is it possible for me to get a copy of the call from last night? Because I totally was watching TV trying to relax before class last night and I fell asleep and my husband didn't wake me up. So I slept right through the leadership call and I would love to get a copy if I could. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. We will get that over to you. And oh, and thank you all. You're very welcome. Thank you all for those who are on the leader in the leadership class. Thank you all so much for a wonderful call last night. I loved hearing yeah. everyone just, you know, just being transparent. It, it, it makes you feel good when you know you're not by yourself. <laughs> makes you feel good. All right, so let's see. Um, Grace, if you could shoot Mr. Anthony a text, okay. we are going. We are going over. Uh, we're finishing how to run numbers. So I want to make sure no one misses it. But good morning. Good morning, Mr. Otis. Good morning, iPhone. Good morning, Mr. Prophet. Uh, Prophet. Good morning, Mr. Antoine, Miss Tanisha, Uncle Ken. Good morning, Miss Shelly, Miss Sandra, Mr. Tyrell. Good morning, Dr. Trask. Is she over there cooking up something? You know, every time she have her camera on, she cooking something. Oh, she fixing up her spices. That's it. She always in the kitchen. She make me want to stop by one day, just sit there. <laughs> oh, oh, she's doing a big bottle this morning. Oh, two big bottles. All right. Uh, good morning, Mr. Lode Holt. How are you doing on this wonderful morning? Great rising, great rising. I'm chocolate-tastic. No, right, chocolate. Te- One day I'm gonna say that, y'all. I know it. I, I'm I'm more of a of a milk. Uh, well, no, not milk. I'm more of like a caramel chocolate. Yeah, I'm salty caramel. Hey, <laughs> that's I'm salty caramel. There we go. <laughs> Good morning, Miss Amanda. Good morning, Uncle Jerome. Good morning, Miss Frida. Good morning, Miss Arshia. Good morning, Miss Melissa. Good morning. Tracy Queen Renee. Oh, oh, audio still connecting. Good morning, Mr. Thomas. Good morning, Mr. Josephus. Good morning, Mr. Aaron. Amazing day. Amazing day. Good morning, Queen Renee. All right. Good to see y'all. Good to see Good morning, y'all. Deanna. Good morning, everybody. Hey, Good family. morning, Deanna. <laughs> Good day, everyone. Can yes, I say something before you start? Yes. Uh, uh, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Great day, family. Um, just wanted to come on, uh, let y'all know. Uh, this morning, Grandma is in the process of transitioning. Um, I I can't say nobody. I think Jesus woke me up at four this morning to go to the bathroom, and I heard it in there, <clears throat> spitting up, and like she's she's been doing. So I went in there, and you know, cleaned her and everything, and went back to the couch, and I heard her again sometime later. And I went back in and said, can you just sit in there with me? I said, yeah, grandma, let me just grab my phone. And uh, my older, my sister's name is Stephanie. We call her Steph. And uh, sometime later she said, tell Steph, I'm sorry, I couldn't wait. And I said, huh, to make sure I heard her right. And she said it again. I said, okay. So I called my my parents and let them know, hey, I, I think it's time. Y'all come on over. 
and I called my, my aunt and uncle, who was my pastor and his wife, and they're here now. And uh, she's, she's still with us, <clears throat> but she told me what to tell everybody before they got here. And, uh, you know, she's been running, she's still running stuff, still, mind still clear, know who everybody is. Uh, my aunt asked her what her favorite hymn was. And she said, Jesus, lover of my soul. I had never heard of that. And then she said, just stand. We said, okay, I don't know a hymn called Just Stand. And then my dad came in and he said, mama, are you talking about the song after you've done all you can? She said, yeah, just stand. She said, McClurkin. Oh, I didn't know you knew that song, grandma. Donnie McClurkin. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just stand. <laughs> so, that's exactly. She said, that's her favorite song. So, and yeah, she's, she's running things and kicked the nurse out. She said, will y'all just please leave me alone? Yes, ma'am. We sure can, you know, because they want to give her appeal, some kind of appeal and things like that. But she said, no, I just, just want y'all to leave me alone. I'm all right. She, and she, and great thing is she's in no pain. She keeps, she just tells us, no, I'm not hurting. I'm not in any pain. So I wanted to come on, let y'all know and keep y'all updated because y'all, y'all are part of the family. And uh, I'll be listening from the phone, D, because I really want to hear about this real property. Don't, you know, I know y'all be like, girl, get off the phone. I know, but I like numbers. So, and I'm trying to stay busy because uh, my sister's on her way and uh, she was going to drive. And I was so glad we all said, well, don't do y'all think Steph should fly? And my grandma said, uh-huh. I said, like, oh, God, thank you. Okay. So I say, Steph, grandma said you should fly. Okay. Because I did not want her getting on the road. She's from Dallas. She lives in Dallas. It's five hours and I didn't need anything else to happen. So thank you all. I love you all. We all love and support. We love you. Love you more. Can you tell her that we love her too? Yes, ma'am. Yes, yes, we love we love you. Love your grandmother. Thoughts yeah. and prayers and, and strength um sending out to you. Love you, girl. Hang in there. Love y'all more. Yeah. She said she was ready. Part. So, love you. Love y'all more. So thank you, Dean. Oh, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Grace had me laughing this morning. I told her, I say, y'all getting on her nerves, okay? <laughs> I know she said what she said. But she, she y'all getting on her nerves. Just leave her be. She, she, she go, <laughs> come put the nurse out. <laughs> she said, look, y'all, I said I was ready. Not that I couldn't do it myself. Like, leave me be. I just, move. <laughs> and if y'all know Grammy, she said it. It's such, she, she just wasn't aggressive when she said it. She's like, can y'all just, just. Yeah, but she stressed. She stressed that please, will y'all leave me alone, please? Okay, okay, we got it. That that's the thing with that's the thing with with your seniors. With when they get to a certain age, they just they just want you to leave them alone. Like I got this. Can you just just chill out? How about that? How about you put on some Netflix and chill? <laughs> well, knowing Granny, she wants everyone to be at peace and not to be uneasy about her transitioning. She's blessed y'all with 102 years yeah. of strength. And that's what she wants you, Grace, is to continue to be strong for the other ones. She knows you got it. She knows, she raised you, so she knows. <laughs> yes. But for the others yes. and for those decisions that have to be made afterwards, so yeah. when she says, leave her alone, she's got it. That's what she has. But yeah. she's more concerned with y'all than she wants, you know, so she, your concern, her concern is y'all <laughs> to yeah. be at peace. So just yeah. be at pace, 
get that music ready and let her have her music and her time transitioning yes, onto the Lord. And our prayers will remain. And I'll still, when I bring my banana pudding, I'll <laughs> still bring her a portion that you can eat. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much. God bless you, Grace. Thank you. God bless you too. Yeah, we, uh -huh. we FaceTime my sister. And, you know, my sister was talking to her and she told her, don't cry, you know. So, but still looking out. So, again, thank y'all. Just wanted to give y'all that update. I'm going to go back and uh, see, <laughs> see how she's still running stuff. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you going to sit your tail down somewhere. <laughs> hey, Grace. I, I've I've heard so much, so many stories about your grandmother. You know what? To be honest with you, that will be a great book to write. My goodness! Oh wow! <laughs> yes, you sir. heard what he said. Yes, sir. I heard what Tyrell said. And <laughs> Queen said the title should be "Conversations with Grandma." Oh my goodness! Yes, wow. sir. I did that for my grandfather. I've never finished writing it but it's called through um an angel's eyes mm. it's my life story toward through his journals because there's things in there that you wouldn't believe that would come out of someone's mouth that is just funny <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> she called the nurse a nuisance today <laughs> she's, she's just a nuisance my mom would say she's just trying to help you she, i know but she's she's such a nuisance okay <laughs> Just, all right. I hear, I can hear say it too. <laughs> Your grandmother, Lord have mercy. <laughs> and that will be a good uh if you can do one for adults and one for children to throw some of that wisdom your grandmother put out there. Okay. Yes, sir. Thank y'all so much. <laughs> You're welcome, Gracie May. Very welcome. We love you. We love Grammy. Give her a hug from all of us. Let her know this come from everybody. They feel so much about you. This come from everybody. Sure will. All right. Well, thank you, Grace, for sharing with us, keeping us updated, letting us know that no matter what, Grammy, <laughs> Grammy gonna tell you how she feel. <laughs> So just the, don't go over that being a nuisance, Grace. Don't go over that being a nuisance. Nope, I'm sitting back. Just, <laughs> ask a question. Hey, you want something? No, okay, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for, for keeping us updated and let it, letting us know about Grammy. All the stories. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Today we are talking, we're continuing the conversation on how to analyze a rental property. Now, the first thing that we talked about was getting the gross, excuse me, getting the gross rent multiplier. And who remembers how we do that? No one remember how we do the gross rent multiplier? Negative. Gotcha. I just jumped on. So you might have to explain that again. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I'm not going to explain. I'm gonna let the, the kind gentleman explain it again because he has this wonderful map that he uses. 
and he breaks it all down for us. So give me one second. Let me, oh, come on, ads. Let me give me one <laughs> Let me pull it back up for everyone because we're going to go over the gross rent multipliers one more time for those who missed it last time. Um, and the gross rent is the total annual amount of rent. For those of you who aren't in the apartment industry or real estate industry, anything like that, GRM, your gross rent multiple, your gross rent is the total amount of rent that, that's coming in. So I'm gonna share my screen. Let's go over this gross <laughs> bless you. Let's go over this gross rent multiplier. And here we go. Housing rental properties gross doesn't mean disgusting, it means the total rent. So here's how this works. Use this kind of tool to, to roughly look, and this is often used on when you're analyzing a market, not necessarily a specific rental property, but I'll show you how to apply this to a rental property. But you would look at the total price or maybe the average price in a market, and then you would divide that by the total annual rent. Let me give you an example of that. Let's say you found a property that is worth or that has a value of 144000 and then you, you were able to, to look on Zillow or talk to your rental property person and you were able to figure out that it had a $1,000 per month rent, which on an annual basis, you wanna convert that to an annual number, is $12,000. So you just apply this formula. You say 144,000 divided by 12,000, and I kept my math really simple on this one, is 12. So you would say that it has a gross rent multiplier of 12. Now how does that help you? that helps you in comparison to other properties. So let's say you had another property that was worth $300,000 and you were able to analyze that one and figured out that the rent was $1,250 per month. So that means it had a $15,000 annual, so yearly rent. And so the gross rent multiplier on that is 20. And so the, the value of this kind of thing is comparing one property to another or, or, more, or more commonly one market to another. And so a gross rent, uh, lower gross rent multiplier, so like 12, would be better. So the lower the number, the better. The higher the number, the, the less uh, good this property is or this market is at producing income. And so if you look at a, a you know, market analysis, often if you look at like San Francisco and some of the bigger markets, you might have an, an average gross rent multiplier in the 30s or 40s. Whereas if you look at on the opposite end of the spectrum, some of the highest cash flow markets in the country, like Detroit, for example, might have a gross rent multiplier of eight. And then a lot of the healthier markets, the ones you might want to be in, could be anywhere from 10 to 20. And so that, that's kind of the starting point of why you'd use a gross rent multiplier, but we're analyzing specific rental properties. And so there's a specific application of this that I want to talk about called the 1% rule we take this gross rent multiplier and we and we apply it to a specific property. And All right. <clears throat> so your gross rent multiplier. Again, to do that, you saw the math. So quick quiz. Which number is better, the higher number or the lower number? The lower number. All right. Because the higher number means that you're paying out. It's, it's not going to cash flow like it should. I'm glad that he mentioned Detroit as a, as a point. Detroit has a fantastic buying and leasing, renting 
right now. You can buy houses for $5,000, rent them out for a thousand a month. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You, just have, you just have to be willing to take that risk and chase out the crime as you develop. All right. Thank you, Mr. Thomas, for that information. All right, Detroit. Actually, I have a, I have a friend out there that, that started doing that, and he's doing quite well. Mm. And uh, he's actually put together his own renovations uh, company. He buys them, renovates them, and rents them. There you go. All right. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. We appreciate that information. Thank you very much. Now, I know some of you are probably wondering, well, how do I find out the gross rent? You can actually call an apartment complex and let them know that you're doing um, a survey, a, a survey comparison, and you can ask them certain questions uh, to get that information, or you can go online because some, some apartment complexes actually give what the, and you can take their average rents and use that to determine um, to determine, excuse me, to determine like what their rents are. So if the, if it's a, you can call them and ask them, okay, so what, uh, how many of each unit do you have on property and what is your rent for each unit? And then you can take that and do the math yourself. And so now you know, and then ask them what their occupancy is, their occupancy percentage. And so you just kind of do the math and get a estimate there and then from there you can do that gross rent uh, multiplier um, math to get an idea of you know what it is what the gross rent multiplier is and so you and you can know from there okay I know this property will cash flow pretty nicely but this property I'm not so sure so there's ways that you can do that. You just uh, call an apartment complex, get a survey, you can go online. Or if you have an agent that you're working with, you can ask that agent to do, and the name, the word is escaping me right now, but a survey. You can have them do the survey where they, they go out and they do the comparables for you. And with, and with the comparables, you can do that. But if you're just looking at a property and you just want to do the math before you start digging into all of that, you can just call apartment complex. Say, hey, what's this? What's that? And that way you can find out what your gross uh, rent multiplier number is. And that'll let you know, okay, you know what? This is a property. Let's, let's dig a little deeper and see what else is going on. So now let's go check out what the 1% rule is. So what the the... The gross rent multiplier is a ratio using the yearly rent, but real estate investors usually think in terms of monthly rent. So what the 1% rule is, is it's a rule of thumb that takes that into account. It takes into account that monthly, that monthly rent. So I'm going to share my screen so we can go over the 1%. And I'm sharing the video with you guys because he's actually doing the math in front of you. So you can do it for yourself. Um, again, I will also copy and paste the link to the, you know what, let me ask this question real quick. Um, if I can get voices and hands. I posted the link a couple of days ago when we watched it for the first time. Who who sat, uh, Who actually got the chance to watch the entire video? I know we're all busy entrepreneurs and we all have crazy lives. I haven't yet. It's on my task to do this weekend. 
<laughs> I do understand. Yeah, like, that's that links are lo- normally a Saturday thing. <laughs> you know what? That makes sense. That makes so much sense. And no worries, y'all. I'm not saying it because you shouldn't. No, no, no. I'm just asking because you may you something may have sparked in you and you want to share it with everyone. I just want to see who I want to see who's ahead of week. You know how um the story about the guy who was teaching the class, it was a student teaching a class, and the reason he was able to teach the class up until the the, the exams was because he always stayed a week ahead of the class. So I was just seeing who stayed a week ahead of the class. That's all. You got <laughs> y'all, y'all are perfectly okay. Trust me. <laughs> no, I'm not doing this to shame you. I'm just curious at who and, and so you can shed information or something that you learned from it or what you like the most. So that's the only reason I was asking. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'm I'm not one to put you on the I don't like people doing it to me. I'm not gonna do it to you. All right. So now we're gonna move into the one percent rule. So let's go ahead and share my screen. So we can check out the 1%, and here we go. I'll go into that right now. So the 1% rule is basically a rule of thumb or a shortcut, and you typically use it when you're early on in the analysis of a property. So for example, your realtor sends you a bunch of listings, and you just want to see, is this approximately a good deal? It's not going to be something you buy a property based on, I hope. You're going to do some other analysis in addition to that. But let me tell you what it means. Basically, it means that the the monthly gross rent of that property, if you want to meet the 1% rule, the monthly gross rent should be equal to or greater than 1% of the total purchase price. All right, so let me show you an example of a property that would meet the 1% rule. So let's say something rents for $2,000 per month. Your realtor sends you a deal and the property is listed for $190,000. And it's in pretty good shape. So the total purchase price also includes repairs, by the way. So it was a major fixer-upper, and you needed to put $100,000 into the property. Okay, I want to pause it here just for a second. Because he said the total purchase price also includes renovations. You please factor that in. Before you actually purchase, when you when, before you actually purchase a property, you can go walk that property. You can let the own, you can call the owners or call their agent, let them know I am in the process. And once you, once you, once you go through the process of doing that and you say, I want to walk the property, you know, before we finalize this deal, I want to walk it. And what that um, yes, yes, we can rewind. We can definitely rewind. But you want to walk the property, you want to, they should. At this point, they should you should know if there's any renovations that need to be done. If a property is a certain a certain age, you want to you want to ask questions about the piping. You want to know how long the AC units have been there. You want to know, know how old the roof is, because that's all going to go into your renovations. Hey Dan, are you talking about? The property itself, or are you talking about like uh, units, like multi-units? Oh, I'm talking about multi. We're we're only talking about multi-units. So, would you also take in consideration what class is located? I mean, what class is in either A, B, or C based on yes. the year? Yes. Because I know that I was reading something about the insurance also makes a big difference as well, as far as the cost. Yes. So, what Tyrell is saying is. If it's a class A, class B, class C, or class D property, 
that does make a huge difference, not only in how much you're going to pay for it, but how much your renovations are going to be. It is really hard to take a class D property and move it to a class C. It's not as easy as you think. When you are looking, of course, we're only, we're looking at the, the class A and class B properties. We're not, and so your class A, class B properties would be your, like your Camdens. If y'all have ever heard of the, that, that line of apartment management company, your Camdens, a C-A-M-D-E-N, y'all can Google it. Your Camdens, depending on where they're located. Then you have your high-rise apartments, your condos, things like that. The location will give you an idea of the class. The amenities will let you know the class. So if you have an apartment complex that has an Olympic-sized pool, that has a grotto, that has uh, grills throughout the property, that has their own dog park, that has their own kitty park, that has um, their... Their community, they they have where every time there's some apartment complexes when you walk in, their whole that whole open area that you think is just like the the welcome area for the offices. No, that's normally the community room that they rent out. It'll have you have some that have Starbucks machines. You'll have some that have uh, pool tables and air hockey tables, computer rooms, their own library. That's what you would consider a Class A property. Your class B property won't have as many amenities, but it'll have that pool. It'll have those grills, those parks. Your class C property, you're looking at a park with the little standalone grills. And then your class D properties is just apartments. There's no park, there's no nothing. The location is not where you would really want it to be. So when you're looking at these properties, pay attention to that. And in the same process, you still have to walk a class A property and ask the questions, okay, well, how long have these grills been here? How old is the roof on the grotto? How old is the roof on the apartment complexes? And then you can also ask, yes, thank you, Tanisha. You do want to purchase properties that already produce income. You don't want... You don't want to get a property that's only 50% occupied because that means you're responsible for the other 50 cent, the other 50% on top of the renovations that are going to need to be made, on top of what, on top of filling those apartments. And you're not just looking at the renovations that are going to be needed on the outside of the property. You're also looking at the renovations for the inside of the property. Because the same when we did houses, when we told you that popcorn ceiling has to go, it's the same way in apartments. You have some apartments depending on the type. So if you're doing your, your conventional apartment complex, there's certain things you have to do. You have to make sure your handicap units are, are up to par. A conventional apartment complex, the, the countertops, you have some apartment complexes that have laminate countertops some apartment complexes that have painted on countertops and you have some that are moving up to, to the, the granite countertops. And if that, so all of this goes into the cost of renovation. And if you have a 200 property unit and you have to renovate half of those apartments because you also have to consider the fact that you're going to have to up the rent 
based on what the current market price is. So if the average unit goes for $1,400 and that's on the low end, unrenovated, now you have to deal with the fact that you have to, when you purchase it, you're going to have to, every vacant unit, you're going to have to go in and renovate those off top. But then you have the units that aren't renovated yet. But then you also have to understand that you have to recoup from the renovations and everything you're about to do. Every time a person purchases a new property, the first thing they do is raise rents. So once that happens, you have to understand, okay, I'm going to lose some renters. So I have to have some things in place to, to clear these vacancies. Not only that, you may have to move some staff out the way. So you have to put that in consideration because if you go into a unit, if you go into an apartment complex and they're at they're at like 80% occupancy and you have a full staff, somebody not doing a job. Now I'm telling y'all from personal experience, I've been there, I've done that, I've had to do lease-ups, I've had to do renovations, I've had, I've ran properties, I've been a leasing agent. I'm trying to tell y'all, it's a lot. <laughs> but it all, it, it goes down to the people in the office. So when you're doing this, he, he and I'm, 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 I'm drilling in on this because it's not just the cost of the apartment complex that you have to figure in you also have to figure in those renovations and not just the outer renovations, but if you have an apartment that's out to date, if you're going to charge somebody $1,500 for an apartment, you have to give them $1,500 worth an apartment. You can't put them in there with the plain white countertops and the, the, the oak looking counter cabinets and the, the sliding doors that are kind of broken with the little wheel off. You, you can't do that. <laughs> so that goes into renovation too. So, so the kitchen light from 1940 doesn't work? No. <laughs> I promise that don't work. That don't work. You know, you got to get to the nickel and the gold-plated um, little knobs that you <laughs> to open up the cabinet doors. And there's only so many times that you can resurface a tub, okay? There's only so many times you can resurface a tub. And there's only so many times you can resurface a countertop. So all of this has to go into consideration. Now you'll be able, it's just like when we're purchasing a home. You take a glance at it, look at the pictures, get an estimate. Okay, so I'm looking at about this much for renovations. Then once you put, once you say this is it, you have that time frame to go in and you walk the property, get your details. And then from there, you can be like, okay, the numbers don't match. We're going to have to back out this deal. It's pretty much the same way because you're going to have to you're going to have to walk it and I'm a, I'm going to let you know when you walk a property the office is going to pick if it, they don't have any vacancies they're going to pick the people who have the best apartments on the property and they know they know who has the best apartments on the property because they've been in it a few times they probably had a couple of meals but they're not going to tell you that part they're going to show you the best 
So when you go and you walk, the best picture replacing everything in the best because the worst needs everything replaced. I do. I'm answering a question for Grace. She asks, she asks me, do you know that from experience? I do. I've done it. I've had, I've had my supervisor come in and tell me, hey, go to apartment 324. She always gets an apartment nice. And then for the two-bedroom, go to apartment 485. Cause you know, she all her house, her house always smell good. And then for the three-bedroom, go to apartment 1408. Because that's the only nice vacancy that we have right now that's upgraded and they could really just look in that one real good. These things happen. So you have to take into consideration, you're trying to buy, they want you to buy. So they're only going to show you the best, but you have to think about the worst when it comes to your pocket. Because if a water main busts, that's on you. If a roof leaks, that's on you. And depending on how many floors you have, that roof leak can go through all three floors and you have a problem. I've, been, I've managed an apartment where the pipeline busted, flooded a whole bottom apartment and the one next to it. Because it happened overnight. I woke up the next morning, walked on the walk, did my walk on the property and stepped in water. I was like, wait a minute. And it just so happens the person next door was working the night shift. Exactly, Arshia. Exactly. So I had two apartments. And I had to, the, the person who got flooded, we had a vacant and we're not supposed to do this. So I had to have permission from my manager to move him to a completed vacancy just so we can clean his apartment. Because he had nowhere else to go. His job was where we where we were. So all of this, you have to think about. I saw you had your hand up, Prophet. Go ahead. Actually, it was me because I had a question. Well, no, not really a question, but um, let me close the door. I that that's one of the things that we're that we're going through here, where we live at, is the fact that they are raising they're raising rent considerably. Like it was. Seven, seven fifty that we were paying at first. Now it is almost a thousand dollars that they that they went up. And our apartment is nice. I, I you know, what I'm saying I, I admit, you know, we have two bathrooms, um, two bedrooms and stuff, and it's and it's nice, but it's not worth. It's not, it's not worth that kind of money. It's not worth it. And I'm seeing people, I'm watching people move out. I've been watching people. I seen one person move in, um, you know, and they had a bunch of um, movers. They had a bunch. And I was like, good Lord, how many U-Hauls does one person need? But I've been watching people move out and we looking for a place. And I'm like, this, I mean, this place is nice, but it, it's not worth what we are spending and I'm like mm -hmm. I'm like you seeing the people and we've been here two years and I'm it's they say yeah they say it's supposed to be um handicap accessible but it ain't you you go in and you see only the grab bars or whatever in the first bathroom but the master bathroom don't even have it and I'm like what kind of sense does that make but that's the bigger room and I'm like that don't make no sense it's not accessible at all for Jay and I'm like um so 
this place is it even fit what we're paying for it, but we have to pay it until we get something else. But I'm just like, okay, something's got to give. And it's, yeah, this is nice, but yet I, I have to, you know, sometimes ask them like a few times, like, well, okay, have you fixed this, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you know, if I was real grimy, I could be like, I ain't paying rent because you guys don't, it's, it don't make, it just, this is nice, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, cops have been over here a couple of times. I, I ain't trying to have that kind of party, but it's, that's something really to think about because um, Simpson and Simpson, where we live at, they own a lot of real estate here so for us if I ever wanted to do real estate here in Sanford I literally would have to go through Simpson because literally the street that we live on of course it's this it's this huge complex and they they have multiple I mean multiple places in the area just maybe not even a mile away from where we live at that they have other properties it's it's crazy I can go to the store they got properties it's everywhere so I know if if I ever wanted to do real estate here I'd have to go through them at some point because they are a huge monopoly here that's why I don't know if I would ever really want to do real estate here I would probably want to do all my stuff out of state because here Simpson and Simpson runs everything we're in um sanford north carolina so maybe maybe raleigh i, I might because who knows they might have some but they might have you know saying not as much but here in sanford in this area they run it and it's places are nice but it just don't fit to pay almost a thousand dollars for a place that it's not it's ridiculous it's ridiculous so i i want to definitely keep that everything you've been saying in mind because i don't i don't want an incredibly cheap place, but I want something that it's worth what you are going to pay for. You mm -hmm. know, you should be able to, I, I wouldn't mind charging 900 and something dollars or 800 and something dollars if this place was actually ADA and Jay could get around here and I don't have to worry about the walls being scuffed up because his, his the room is big enough for his wheelchair. They really need to think about stuff like that but you know maybe it's just this time for me to have my own apartment complex for that's ADA and make sure it's done right Indeed. and not say that it's ADA when actually it's not you just put us on the first floor but ain't nothing they haven't been able to take a shower or nothing because it's it's a tub he can't get in no tub I mean it's I you know I guess that's just my sign that I need to have my own real estate for ADA probably so there you go get the get that's that's always the answer own it <laughs> mm -hmm. but I you know her. what that what would be good for her i was thinking about when she was listening is she does get into real estate but have it uh far as multi-units or what have you that's geared towards disabled because they don't i've never seen one that's just geared strictly for the disabled no other than the elderly, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. A senior every a senior property, every apartment is in some shape, form, or fashion handicap accessible. Every mm -hmm. every bathroom has rails in it. Mm -hmm. um, That's where Jay was living at before. Senior property. 
Yeah. You know, he didn't have a bathtub in his old shower. Mm-hmm. He literally was able to go right in. I mean, it was great. If he had a shower chair, he was able to take showers and all that. It's not even an option here because it's a tub. So yeah, that's something definitely for me to think about. Put that on the list. There you go. Now, now I do, I'm going to split this up just a little bit. I'm going to go, I'm going to replay the video for Aaron. But before I do that, when you, everyone in some shape, form or fashion has been a renter in your life. Let me help you with something for my people who have high empathy, high levels of empathy. Do not, I repeat, do not go into this industry as a renter. Remember how how it was renting so you can make the renting experience better for the next but don't go in there with that mentality because it will hurt you personally because you're going to hear all the stories but it will also hurt your business because you're going to want to be like well okay just this time or you're going to purchase an apartment complex like oh I remember when I lived in something like this I want to fix it up for everyone your bank account may not allow you to renovate every single unit and you have to remember rent has to go up every time the economy changes your rent is going to change and it will never go down it's always they may take it up by five five to fifty dollars yours went up about three hundred and that's a lot about 250 300 that is a lot but rent is always going to go up when you come in when you purchase the property when you do renovations that rent you're going to see what the what the average rent for that unit is and 10 times out of 10, you're under it by $1,000. And when you purchase it, you're going to understand if I'm renovating this apartment, I want to charge the full amount for this apartment because you have to recoup from the renovation. On top of, depending on the cash flow of the property, you're prob- most likely losing money because you haven't gone up on rent. And it happens. Every single, every time I became an apartment manager, I've been an apartment manager twice, but every time I moved in, even as an agent, even as a leasing agent, the first thing I heard was, okay, we got to raise rents. And I'm sitting here like, I just, I just, I just got here. So you want these people to hate me? And I just got here. You want me to tell these people, oh yeah, I'm new. I've been here two days, but I need more money from you. I don't want to do that. I want, let me get to know my neighbors first. Like, can I get to know the people in the apartment complex first before I tell them, yes, I need some more money from you? And then you're going to have some people who are going, they, you're going to get phone calls. They will find your number. They will Google search. They will do whatever they can. And you'll start getting phone calls and complaints. One of the things before you even purchase an apartment complex, please learn the renter's rights. Before you purchase an apartment complex, learn the renter's rights. That's true. And especially for renters that are active duty military members, because the rules are different for us. So learn, thank you, thank you, Tyrell. I didn't, 
it's crazy. I didn't even know that part. I didn't even know there was a separate section for the separate set of rules for for veterans. See? Yeah, because if we have official orders, well, I'm still. Oh, okay. No, I do know that part. Yeah, if we have official orders, then they can break their leasing contract less than 12 months without any penalties. Yes, they can. Yes, they can. There are in some states laws for the veterans, especially if they're disabled veterans or 100%. Help me out. Uh, IUPT. Did I get that? Those are your terms. IUPT. Individual unemployment criminal total. Oh, you're talking about IU. There you go. Individual unemployability. Yeah. Oh, they call it total disabled individual unemployability. Yeah, there are renter laws for that because we had it enacted here in Ohio some years ago. In a case, I was that different story. But there are laws that are set up for disabled veterans if they are qualified under that unemployable disability permanent total or at least 80%. You have to actually look at your laws that thank you thank you melissa thank you tyrell so ladies and gentlemen over the weekend and you will you will thank me later trust me you will thank me later before you buy an apartment complex learn the renters rights sad thing is renters don't read till they don't know their rights but if you read and you know their rights, it'll make you a better owner. And then you'll be better prepared if a renter comes at you with the renter's rights, because they will do that. They will do that. I'm teaching you how to be a better owner and to CYA at the same time. If y'all know what that acronym means. Cover your ass. There you go. I'm teaching you both and <laughs> how to be a better owner and how to cover your tail. Go Let ahead, Dr. Crass. Let me share this with you. This is because I've got a mother that's in a wheelchair and she's in an oversized wheelchair. Y'all make certain you measure the door coming in and the door to the bathroom. Yes. Make sure it's wide enough because when you're walking through, Sometimes that's not even in your mindset. Oh, I got to get a wheelchair through here, you know, but I mean, we are becoming more knowledgeable, but we had a a difficult situation and the woman did not want to give us our money back at a house that we were renting up here in Houston. And I said, I've got to get the, I've got to get the wheelchair through. She says, you can get the wheelchair through where I failed to say was it's an oversized wheelchair. So that's something to kind of take into consideration when you're buying, when you're selling, when you're building, letting them know we do have that doorway and that door frame to accommodate your wheelchair. Thank you, because that's also for the marketing that that also is good for your marketing for that very reason, because an handicap accessible unit versus a standard unit, the doors are wider. But like Dr. Trask just said, when you have an oversized wheelchair, it don't matter. 
those doors are still not wide enough. And there are some rules depending on the type. I see your hand, Prophet Jerry. There are some rules depending on the type of apartment complex you're purchasing that you, if you don't have one available and they are next in line to come up, you have to make that unit handicap accessible. Depending, because there's different, you have your conventional apartment complexes. You have your senior apartment complexes. You have those that are considered tax credit apartment complexes. And if it's tax credit, they have a contract of how long they have to be a tax credit property. Then you have those that are considered housing properties. They have a certain contract. So when you are looking for, of course, if you're doing a deal with Antonio, you're doing a conventional deal, period. The other stuff is a lot. Conventional, it's like buying a house. <laughs> it's like buying a house. You good. You good. But just to let just your calculations. Think about the renovations. Off top, if you know the age of the apartment complex. Off hey, Secret to Success listeners, Deanna here. Thank you all so much for joining us. Well, today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. See, NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. Now, how many of you can use some additional information so you can make smarter decisions with your money? It's okay. I'll be the first to raise my hand. Because ner the nerds have helped me get smarter about things like saving on travel, because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night, maybe a, you know, a small shopping spree or a fancy dinner or two. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, boosting my credit score, since good credit is like a real-life cheat code, seriously, like a real-life cheat code, and then saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It just loves a good plot twist. So listen to Merrick Wallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Off top, K, uh, factor in roofing, factor in plumbing, and factor in AC. Um, give me one second, everyone. Hey, Mr. Antonio, I got you. We got a hot mic. How you how you doing this morning, sir? Hello? Hello? Okay. Don't know what that was. Of course he's out. <laughs> he's out with his mom right now. They're actually heading to the VA. They're 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 at the VA, so he's getting her set up. But you have to factor in those things. So now I'm going to go back. I'm going to start back from the beginning for you, Mr. Aaron. You just answered my question. Ah, gotcha. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. Go ahead and share my screen. And here we go. So we're starting back over with the 1% rule. That right now. So the 1% rule is basically a rule of thumb or a shortcut and you typically use it when you're early on in the analysis of a property. So for example, your realtor sends you a bunch of listings and you just wanna see, is this approximately a good deal? It's not gonna be something you buy a property based on, I hope, you're, not, you're gonna do some other anal analysis in addition to that. But let me tell you what it means. Basically, it means that the, the monthly gross rent of that property 
if you want to meet the 1% rule, the monthly gross rent should be equal to or greater than 1% of the total purchase price. All right, so let me show you an example of a property that would meet the 1% rule. So let's say something rents for $2,000 per month. Your realtor sends you a deal and the property is listed for $190,000. And it's in pretty good shape. So the total purchase price also includes repairs, by the way. So it was a major fixer-upper and you needed to put $100,000 into the property. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your all-in cost is going to be about $190,000. Is $2,000 greater or equal to 1% of $190,000? So 1%, it's always easy to figure out 1% because you just take the decimal place and you move it over two, two times. So $1,900 would be 1% 1 of $190,000. And yes, $2,000 is greater than $1,900, so it meets the 1% rule. Let's look at a property that does not meet the 1% rule. Let's, let's say you have a property that rents for that same $2,000, but then you could, you could buy it for $300,000. Well, 1% of 300,000 is $3,000, and so that's not, it's actually less than, so that one does not meet the 1% rule. Now, why is this helpful? This is, remember, similar to the gross rent multiplier that we're just looking at the monthly gross rent. We're actually not looking at the expenses on the property and all that. So that's why it's just a starting point. But this is a really quick approximation. You saw how fast I could do that. You could be looking at a lot of properties and screen them based on whether it met the 1% rule or not. And I'll acknowledge, and this is something we can go in more depth on on another video about the 1% rule, that not all properties and not all markets are going to easily meet the 1% rule. And so you're going to need to make a decision based on all these formulas that we look at. Does it need to meet the 1% rule for you to buy the deal or not? Can it be close? Could it be like the 0.8% you know, rule if that meets your criteria? But the, the fact is, is this is a measurement of approximately how good a property is at producing rental income. If it's better than the 1% rule, it's better at producing income. If it's not, it's not going to produce a lot of income. So you better make some money in some other ways if it doesn't meet this rule. Once you've used the 1% rule of the gross rent multiplier to All right. All right, so we got down the 1%, the 1% rule. So the 1% rule says that the gross rent of a property should equal at least 1% of the purchase cost or better. Now, meeting the 1% rule does not automatically make it a good deal. You're, you have to consider, again, like we said earlier, location, rent collection challenges. You have to consider and factor all of that in. Excuse me. You have to consider and factor all of that in. Just if you've, if you've ever purchased a house before, Imagine purchasing 200 houses at once. I hope that helped because that made sense in my brain. <laughs> that made sense to my that made sense to my brain. Go ahead, Prophet Jerry. I just want to piggyback on what um Doc said. It is very true, Dr. Sugar said, because when people say wheelchair, the first thing they think about. It's just a manual. They don't think, think about the power wheelchairs or the big or the Beatrix 
bariatric wheelchairs they don't think about them when you just say wheelchair and like with shoes at this place we came down because i saw it on the internet i saw pictures but i didn't see the bathrooms all i knew that i saw the living room i saw what the bedrooms looked like and then she was like well boom all you got to do is fix one thing on your credit and you got it so I was ready to just jump on it because it said handicap. And I'm thinking because of in West Virginia, that handicap was I was able to reach the, um, the counters, be able to sit under the um, sink and wash my dishes. So when we came here, just like, well, we're here now, so might as well take the best of it. But I did tell her, I said, look, I said, you're going to find some scratches and some, you know, bumps and stuff on these walls because, you know, my wheelchair won't fit through like it's supposed to. She was like, well, don't worry about it as long as it's not no big holes. So, yeah, it's very important that when you're talking about a wheelchair that you mention what type of wheelchair or the weight of the wheelchair because of, um, you know, it's, People just think of wheelchair, they just think about the manual one that someone pushes you or you could push yourself in it. There you go. Thank you, Prophet. Thank you very much. Antoine? Yes, I just wanted to, uh, you know, I'm big on blockchain technology and, you know, the game is, the game is really changing <clears throat> with um, buying real estate in the metaverse and all that. <clears throat> But not only that, bringing it to where we are today and looking at the physical property, we can actually have people own apartments. And so every time that is rented, it's like a condo and things of that nature. So there's so many options that we have um, going into deals if we go in with group economics and go in with the innovative mindset, like, hey, we can make this work. Of course, you know, that, like you were saying, Deanna, that uh, the location makes a difference, how people pay rent and all that kind of stuff definitely makes a difference. But there are some alternative ways to uh, make things happen and that you can spread the uh, liability to other folks uh, if you're, getting a, a grand property like 200 units and things of that nature you know you can have somebody own a unit and they're responsible for that so whether they get income off that unit next month or or what you know so just something to think about no that's very true there is a there's a huge luxury class a property that's located on the seawall in galveston it's called the saint louis resort not only does it rent out its rooms as a hotel resort would do but there's a whole building that's a part of it that they sell as condos How they do that, I don't know, because it's more like selling an efficiency. 
Well, that's exactly what it is, selling an efficiency, but they do that. And you do have apartment. If there are some apartment complexes that you drive by and they look like people have been in there a while, they have like all these the plants on the patio and they they look a little more like a house than an apartment complex, that's because those are condos. It was an apartment complex that the owners decided, you know, we're just going to make condos and just sell them out because we're not really trying to deal with all of this, the rent, the monthly stuff like that. So we're just going to sell them, let them go through the financing process, do whatever they have to do, pay us and we're good. So Antoine is right. There's several different options that you can take when it comes to when it comes to this. And I'm, I'm not going to hold y'all long today. Um, whatever we don't finish today, we will pick up on Monday. But you have this, the, the gross rent multiplier and the 1%. I'm going to put the link in again for those of you who do your links on the weekends. So you can be a week ahead of the class. <laughs> but the importance of this is knowing how to analyze. You want to know the numbers. Like you want to, and if you're not a numbers person, it's okay. I'm not a numbers person. But I love knowing that if I have to do the numbers, I can. But I am in no shape, form, or fashion a number. Well, as Grace said, put a dollar sign in front of it. That I got, I got you on your math. But, <laughs> but even in high school, math was not my strong point. I just found out yesterday math is not my kid's strong point. Actually, no, math is his strong point. Reading is not his strong point. We had a good, we had a good report with the teacher she loves him but again you want to know how to analyze your rental property because once you're in you're in and it is hard to get out I can't begin to tell you I got into the apartment industry I started off because my friend needed help because she got promoted to manager all right Tyrell she got promoted to manager and needed an assistant because the old manager got fired because she was drama. Mm, let me just say that, drama. Old manager got fired. She got hired. She needed an assistant. That's my very first apartment job. And it was in a senior facility, 62 years of age and older, and it was a HUD property. So you have HUD properties, housing and urban development. You have tax credit properties. You have conventional then you have the government assistant properties. There's a lot of different types. But for us, we're doing conventional. That was the very first time I worked in apartment complex. And then when I left there, I, I, I left because I found out I was pregnant. So I just I just did temp. And in doing a temp, being a temp, I was able to be on all types of properties. I was able to work a property that covered a two-block radius on both sides of the street. I was able to work a I was able to work small unit properties like 62 apartments or less. I was able to work properties that people would normally flee from. We had a shootout right next door at the at the corner store. You know, <laughs> I've worked a lot of different type of properties and the last property that I was on, which was my favorite property was a tax credit property. So I've worked different types of property. So I'm, I'm telling you guys things that I know from experience. I'm never going to tell you anything that I, that's hypothetical to me. I'm always telling you from personal experience. 
because the pro the different types of properties matter. I, the last property I was on, we had a sinkhole, but not necessarily a sinkhole, but it was a drain pipe that did a sink, but it flooded in that area every time it rained really bad. There are certain times we couldn't get the grass cut. We we had to deal with the we had three bedroom apartments. We had to deal with the second floor not cooling like the rest of the like the bottom floor because the AC units were as old as the property. We had to deal with leaks in some of the apartments because we had old holes in the roof because the roof was as old as the property. You also have to factor in parking, permits. That's going to cost. Are you going to up the rent and make them pay for the permit? Or are you just going to make them pay for the permit and do it? Like there's so much that's factor into it. So if you know how to analyze your rental property, y'all used to tell me, uh, Antonio used to brag to y'all about how I can just look at the pictures of a property and get how much it's going to cost to renovate, uh, how much it's going to cost to renovate it analyzing a rental property gives you that same power you'll be able to you'll be able to look at the numbers analyze and it'd be like no nah, can't do it i'm sorry we're gonna pass on this one or you can sit there you can analyze your property like you know what this one has potential let's get some more information it helps you cut down time because time is money and if you're wasting your time trying to figure stuff out and, and as far as your money goes you're gonna miss out on money but if you know how to analyze your property going in with all the different calculations that we're, that we're showing you, you're good to go. You can, you can literally be sitting there having lunch, look across the property, look across the street, be like, hmm, that's for sale. Pick up your little, pick up your computer, pick up your computer, Google the name, find out how much it costs. And then from there, you could sit there, grab a pen, and while everyone else is chit-chatting, do some numbers real quick and be like, huh, that's a good property. Text your age and say, hey, can you send me information on this property? And you have literally just analyzed the property in 15 minutes while having lunch. And by the time you walk out of there, if you got a really good agent, <laughs> you got an email saying, hey, this is what the property is. This is this, this is that, this is this. Here are the, look, here are the comps for, for the apartment complex, all of that. So analyzing your rental properties is, is extreme. Before you buy a house, you analyze it. Before you buy clothes, you analyze it. Before you buy food, you analyze it. Analyze your properties. Know what you're getting into. Antonio wanted us to teach you this so that way you you understand the step by step process. So you're not just like sitting back, like okay, what's next? And you can also take this knowledge and go do it for yourself. Or a group so of you. Grateful for that. Very welcome, Miss Sandra. We grateful. We're grateful for y'all. Because a group of you can come together and be like, yeah, y'all know what. I found a property. It's about a thousand units. What are we doing with this one? It's a multi-use property. We have commercial and residential. It's in the downtown area. It's in between the medical center and whatever else, the college, wherever it is. <laughs> and I always, I always say that because those are the properties that you know. 
you know you got some good cash flow though. You know you do. Just be careful with the businesses you put in the commercial area because not all businesses last. Your property will make will stay there, but not all those businesses will last. So be careful. Be careful. But before we head out for today, I put the link in chat. Does anyone have any questions? I told you I wasn't gonna hold y'all on today. We got we got through the 1%. Next week we're gonna get through. Next week is going to be cap rate and the 50% rule and probably a couple of other ones. But does anybody have any questions? Thank you, Mr. Thomas. Another important point is liability. Two-story apartments, fire stop. Yes, thank you. If you're analyzing a property, um, some apartment complexes, depending on the type, require you to put um, sprinklers, water sprinklers in them. Some require specific type of detectors. You have your carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. And the fire walls are very important because if an apartment, the fire walls stop the fire from spreading through the wall to the next apartment. Those fire walls are extremely important. So depending on the age of your property, you may not have fire walls. You and, and depending on the age of the property, you may not have, you may not have sprinklers. So you have to pay attention to the type of property. And then if you and if you decide, you know what, I want a property for senior citizens, okay, it's time for you to go do some research. Because that property is going to require a lot more than a conventional. You know what, I want to do a housing property. That property is going to require a lot more than conventional. There's rules and regulations depending on the type of apartment complex you're doing. There's certain ways rooms have to be. Yes, ma'am. Next week. Oh, okay. I just found out some interesting information about Mr. Thomas. Mr. Thomas is a fireman. So when it comes to those walls, he knows exactly what he's talking about. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Mr. Thomas. Okay. Yes, it. it Buying an apartment complex is fun. It's actually easy when you know what you're doing. And that's why Antonio wanted to teach, give you all of this information so you know what you're doing. When you have confidence in a purchase, you have no buyer's remorse. A lot of times when you buy a property, you look first at what's going to bite me in the ass. Don't look at the pretty, don't look at the pretty countertops and the nope. all the beautiful textured ceilings and the the new faucets. What are they hiding? Yep. What That's are you hiding? That is it. Galvanized pipes in the walls. Beautiful fixtures. Oh, we we fully upgraded it. BS. Now you have to rip everything out and put in new piping. Another thing is it might be uh it might be a sprinkler two-story apartment complex where you have 40 40 uh apartments in a row. Are there fire stop walls to stop your liability of a fire? How many apartments are you going to lose on that block? We had one last month. The man retired, sold the apartment complex to a friend of his, 
gave him a good deal. Month later, this last month, had a fire in a complex in a kitchen. It spread through 40 units by the time we got it under control. We have 40 families out of, you know, that are homeless now living with Red Cross. And everybody is suing. So huge liability. He he stands to lose everything that he's that he's made. Yeah. He thought he was making it, he thought he was buying a good deal. And it came in, it, it bit him in the ass. In a big way. It's a really big way. So and then the, the sprinkler systems, even if there's a sprinkler system in, you want to know whether it's a dry system or a wet system. A wet system is, is best. It's going to put out that fire and limit your liabilities. But your maintenance costs might come back and bite you in the ass, depending on how old the wet system is. If it's 20 years or older, you can look at a lot of maintenance. Uh, the dry system, it's not going to work until we get there. Until I hook that fire, until I hook that pumper up to that building and turn it on, you've got nothing. You've got your hand fire extinguishers and maybe a garden hose. And you got a hundred people running for their lives. So there's a lot of liabilities to look at in that aspect. And a lot of those could, could, could bankrupt you. Yeah, they could. Um, you also have to look at the age of the asphalt when you're buying a complex. And how, you know, was it put in and then stick and it, oh, it looks pretty. It's just an overlay. When we bring in a 60,000-pound tanker, you can say goodbye to your parking lot. It's gone. There's, there's going to be ruts when we leave. And we've had that happen too. Um, so it's, it's you, you got to be very careful on, on, on what you're walking on, what you're looking at. And you really got to look at buying a property in a very negative, in a very negative way. Uh, don't look at how pretty it is. Look at what am I not seeing? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I just told y'all what the what my manager used to have me do when we have people walk the property, take them to the best places, take them to the prettiest apartment. And they will, they will. Um, that's that's very common. Yeah, yeah. They don't they don't want you to see the 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 other ones where they where they where they yeah. It's just terrible. Oh, even when the fire marshal comes to inspect, they tell us the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are some good, uh, some important parts to look at. Because you, you want to make sure you're covered. Yes. And uh, another, another telltale is, is learn, learn how to do your research on simple things like the fire hydrants. You know, they might bring that up as well. We have fire hydrants all over, you know, very accessible. Those fire hydrants might be from 1940. When's the last time they were cracked open? If they're not cracked open every six months and flushed and exercised, that hydrant might not open. There's a brass rod in there. And if that brass rod shares off from non-maintenance, when we're trying to get to water, you're done. Now we're, now we're looking for the next hydrant. 
And if it happens over there, now we're looking for the next hydrant. In the meantime, your investment is burning to the ground. It all depends on, 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 on you know, what kind of maintenance have they done. You know, just because you have hydrants doesn't mean you just say, you know, oh, it looks pretty and let's paint it and like make it look pretty. Well, it looks good. Does it work? And that's any part of the apartment. Right. Roof, AC, plumbing. And electrical. Everything Mr. Thomas said. <laughs> and, and electrical. You want to make oh, sure your boxes... You. You want to make sure your boxes are upgraded. Yes. You know. Oh, yes. God, just make sure they're upgraded because upgrading a box from 100 amp to 200 amp can cost you $10,000 per unit. And each one is on an individual breaker system. So these are these are things that are important when it comes to and this all stems from him saying, for the one percent rule, you're looking at the, the the total cost of the of the apartment complex, and it includes renovations. You have to calculate: Do we need to? How much will it cost us to get this to get the fire hydrants flushed? Are they? How long have they been here? How long has the plumbing been here? When was the last time the plumbing was replaced? We have two hundred individual AC units. When was the last time they were all replaced? They should have a log. Yes. Of the unit, the AC, the last time it was serviced and the last time it was replaced or fixed or anything on it. I spent majority of my, the last apartment complex I worked on, it was 62 units, which means one person inside, one person outside. Yeah. And every, if, if everything still looks good, when you're, when you're going into buying an apartment complex or, or multi-unit and, oh yeah, it's all the, all the appliances look nice. Pull that appliance out. See what year it is. How old is it? Is it serviceable? You Electric stoves past, you know, past seven years, they're a liability. They're a fire hazard. You know, electric stove, a simple electric stove could run you a thousand dollars or more per unit. That's that's a big number when you're when you're looking at buying a unit. Um, it's just simple things. The, the refrigerators, how old are they? They have a limited shelf life. They work for maybe 10 years max, and then you're replacing them. What year are the refrigerators? They might look brand new. Like the tub, they might have been resurfaced. They do that nowadays. Yes. They make them look beautiful. But that damn thing might be 15 years old. Yep. So I'm done it, I know. <laughs> they they're quick to say, oh, just get it, just get it resurfaced. And you go back and look at it and you're like, oh. Or you get a complaint, hey, the paint is stripping from my the first time somebody ever told me the paint on my tub is stripping. I'm saying like. It yeah. shouldn't be painting your tub. <laughs> yeah. If, yes, if, I uh, ran an apartment like that with the tub, the um, paint in the tub was stripping. I'm like, oh no. Yeah. The problem with uh, repainting or resurfacing a cast iron tub is it's been done for a reason. The cast iron has been put under stress, it was impacted, and it chipped the porcelain. Now, 
a lot of places they just resurface it and you know collect your money and they're out they're off to the next one if they miss any of that porcelain that's underneath that paint that has been loosened from the impact or from the stress that chip could actually work its way through the paint while you're in a bathtub getting in or out or your kids getting in or out that that chip is like a razor blade if it goes you know if it comes loose while you're getting in and out and you we make contact with that you know you, you can you can come out of that with a pretty good cut we've actually had a few of those in the last year where where tubs are coming apart from shoddy work and it's just best to plan on a full replacement of a fiberglass or a um or a poly or a poly tub mm -hmm. If you're going, if you're going to do anything, just do that because by the time you get done refinishing it, you could just put in a new one. Nowadays, yeah. And while you have that tub out, you might as well redo the plumbing, whether it needs it or not. Put it in new. Put in a new drain receptacle. You're going to have the walls ripped out. You might as well re redo the faucets, redo the plumbing, take it down to a serviceable level. You know, you don't have to replace all the piping, but take take off that that piping that's exposed and take it down to the next level to where in the future you can get to it and minimize your cost on expanding the, the rehab. You don't have to tear it open twice. There you go. So um, another thing with apartment complexes, uh, multi-unit apartments is you want to make for damn sure, and you can do this very easily, make sure that there's not asbestos tile. Um, because you are an apartment complex, you're considered a business. You're not considered personal. You cannot go in there with a hammer and just knock this tile out and oh, just throw it out in a garbage can. You're held to different federal laws. You have to have a, an abatement company come in and take that tile out. You're talking a lot of money. You're talking a lot of time. There's going to be curtains put up. There's going to be uh, air vac, uh, air purification put in from the company. And a lot of people in your complex are going to start asking questions. And they get scared. And they don't want to live there anymore. And that could have a very negative effect on you. Yeah. So... With that, I'll hand it back to you, Deanna. Thank you, Mr. Thomas. You have definitely shed some light. Trust and believe you have shed some light. We are grateful. This is now the wonderful thing is you have all this information. You're getting all this information before the purchase. And the property that we pick, all, all of this will have been done. But now you have 100% of the information when it comes to doing it. All of these things are important. The, they should have a list of, because what Mr. Thomas was saying about, excuse me, about the appliances, they should have a list, an approved list of what appliances they use and how much the, the item number and how much it costs. I know because I had to do it. My maintenance had to do it. And I had to check off on it. They should have a list. 
They should have a list of air conditioners with the, with the model numbers or serial numbers. And the last time it was changed out, maintained, whatever was needed for it, they should have a list of that. They should have a list of appliances, ages, what apartment it's in, and when it's time to move it out. Even though they have a list, put your eyes on them and do it. Check your check the list. Yes. Anybody can make a list. Anybody can make a number. Check it and make sure it corresponds. Yes, definitely. I have a question. Yes, we, received, we received a letter from the housing uh, HOA or the leasing agent, I'm saying. And it said that we were responsible for having flood insurance. And it had to be whatever, how many of thousands of dollars it said. And if we didn't, that they were going to add $49 to our rent. Is that right? Is that possible? I mean, I mean, I, we have it. I mean, I have it. I have it covered because of mom and everything. But uh, is that something that is normal now yes because because you have a lot of i'm gonna say this please forgive me mr thomas correct me if i'm wrong if somebody starts a fire or if a fire gets started in someone's apartment there's gonna be some flood damage if you have insurance and your apartment was damaged, but it didn't originate in your apartment, they're gonna have you call your insurance company because they wanna, the apartment itself has insurance, but as far as those individual units, they're telling, they're telling people now, make sure you have insurance to make sure that your personal items are covered because they can't cover your personal items. They're not going to cover your personal items. And so now and if they're adding $49, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, if you're not going to re be responsible for yours, we're going to make sure that we are responsible for yours. They, they're basic, it, it's their CYA, Dr. Trash. That's what they're doing. They CYA. <laughs> Diana, yes, sir. The reason they're doing that is because they don't have a personal inventory of everything you have in your own individual apartment and, you know, making stuff up like you had a 70 inch tele TV and then you only had like a 24 inch. <laughs> <laughs> that is That's true. why they're doing that. It's called renter's insurance. It's personal insurance against your personal right. property. Right. Because you have a lot of apartment complexes now that won't even let you lease without showing proof of renter's insurance. Because so much, you heard Mr. Thomas go down the line of everything that could possibly happen. The apartment complex are very aware of the things that could possibly happen. And they want to make sure that at all times they're covered, especially if they have a smart owner. And a lot of times if you have renter's insurance, it's good to have a video camera. Everybody has one. It's called a telephone. Take a picture once a month as you upgrade things and things change. Don't, don't have a video from two years ago before you bought that TV, before you upgraded your appliances, because you have no proof of what was what. Because when we come into a fire, I don't care what you have. My first job is to make sure everybody is out. 
I'm going to be walking through walls, walking through doors, whether they're locked or not. If your TV is in the way, it's going out the front window. It's not going out, you know, just set it on the floor. No, it's going out the window. If your bed is on fire, it's going out the window. And anything in the way is going with it. I can guarantee you. I'm not looking at your family pictures. I don't care about your family pictures. I don't care about your, your sentimental stuff. Saving life and putting out the fire, that's, that's, that's our two things. Now, granted, we try to take care. You know, if, if, if it's not a bad fire, we'll try to limit our damage. But if it's a full out kitchen fire, we're coming in with three inch hoses and everything is gonna be like you pulled it out of the ocean. It's gonna be destroyed. But that, if that's what we have to do to stop the fire from spreading, then that's what we do. I can testify to that. Yeah, Mark, unfortunately, that's, that's the way it is. Was destroyed. Yeah. I was like, why they put holes over here? What the They said well, they have to find out is no fire in the walls. Yeah, it's they called to... it's called chasing right. the fire and, and chasing the smoke and, and on our infrared, if it if it shows hot, we're ripping it open. And a lot of it is uh, in the towards towards the end of the fire. It's all preventative damage uh, that we're doing from the fire restarting. We had one fire that started on one side of the house. We put the fire out, and then ten minutes later, I'm outside inspecting the house and walking around the, the the perimeter. And on the other side of the house, I see a wisp of smoke come out of the attic. And we ended up tearing up the entire house. All the ceilings had to come down. The type of insulation that they had put up there was very flammable. And it walked across like a barbecue grill and caught, the, caught all the insulation on fire. By the time we got done, a simple room fire turned into a total loss. Mm. Another thing that we see around here in South Carolina is people pay off their houses because you can buy a house around here relatively cheap. Well, you used to be able to before the, the housing market. Now, a lot of these people, they say, well, we bought the house. Why do we have liability insurance? Let's cancel that sucker. It's costing us too much money. House catches fire. They're living with the Red Cross because they don't have any insurance. And that brings me to multi-units where if you bought it for, let's say you have the money, Deanna, you bought it for cash. You say, well, I'm going to self-insure it. You have taken on a huge liability. You're, you're rolling the dice. One fire could wipe you out. One slip and fall down the stairs could wipe you out. You never want to self-insure unless you have Godzillion's of dollars and you can afford to put a hundred million dollars into an escrow to self-insure that's fine if that's what you want to do but never self-insure and never under-insure and always take recent pictures because when when it's said and done when like when we go through an apartment that's on fire i hope you had pictures of everything because it's all going to be in a pile in the front yard 
and that's that's the way it is. So it's all it's all in protecting yourself. Cover your own ass. See why take, take video, take inventory video. And your important papers, get a fire safe. They're cheap. You can go down to Home Depot or Staples. You can buy a cheap little fire safe. It's good for a couple hours. We see the fire safe, we grab it. Because that's your, your deeds, your titles, your life insurance, your will. That's that's every, that's your life. Those are those are one thing that if we see them, we grab them and we carry it out the door. And that's other than that, we don't we don't care. We really don't. You know, it might be grandma's dining room table. If it's in the way, it's going out the window. I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. So make sure you have a picture of it. Make sure it's insured. And make sure it's insured properly. If it's worth a lot of money, like a credential that's from 1800s, get an insurance appraisal. Have it in your lockbox. You can prove it was worth this much because when we get done, there might not be anything left of it to show the insurance adjuster. A lot of times um, we're starting to put cameras on our helmets where we're, we're filming what we're going through. And a lot of people use that, that coverage for insurance because they didn't have video, they didn't have pictures, they didn't have appraisals. And they're doing the long fight. And maybe a year, two years, three years later, they might get a settlement out of it. But that's a long fight because they didn't pick up their camera once a month and take a picture of their inventory of what they own. That's the bottom line. Thank you. Yeah, even with an apartment complex owning it, you want you want to take videos of your buildings. Video, you know, take close-ups of your ACs. Uh, that that close-up might show that. Well, you hire an electrician to come in and fix the AC, and he did a shoddy job. And then a month later, it catches fire and burns down that section of the apartment complex. Well, that might come into play in a fire investigation. And instead of your insurance paying for it, now the contractor's insurance is picking it up because the video showed faulty work. It's all video, 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 pictures, documentation, everything. I'll stop now. No, thank you. We trust, we are grateful for the information. You, Miss Shelley said great points. Miss Tanisha said that's great. We thank you for this information because as an apartment, everything he said that applies to individuals, he just said it, it applies to you when you buy an apartment complex too. Go through the office, go through every unit, go through the property, take those pictures, keep them on file. Every Your property owners, your property managers are required to walk the property. I know because I've done it at least once a day. You can tell them, hey, once a week, when you walk this property, take your camera with you and submit it to us. Make sure you get footage of this, 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 and this, and submit it to your submit it to your your manager via email. So we have it on us because as an owner, you're not going to always be able to get to your property. 
but those managers are there every day. One more thing. Go ahead. Know your laws in your state. Know your laws in your town. Okay. If let's let's go back to ADA. Okay. If you have an apartment complex and you want to make 40% of those apartment uh, units ADA, you're claiming that you're ADA, right? For the for that percentage. It, there's an obscure law in South Carolina. If you have any ADA apartments in your complex, you cannot have speed bumps. Hmm. If, so. if a disabled person were to get driven or drive over a speed bump and claim an injury from that, they've got you. Now you're paying. You're opening up your checkbook. Wow. So you've, you've got to know your laws, know your ordinances. Yeah. Thank you for that one. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we will see you on Monday. Monday, we will be hitting um, more micro businesses and we'll be going over cap rate and the 50% rule. And the cap rate tells us how well a property produces income after expenses. So you want to know about cap rate. And then the 50% rule is a shortcut that helps you quickly estimate your net operating income and the cap rate. So those are the two that we're going to go over on Monday. And then we're going to hit some more micro businesses. Everyone, y'all have an amazing weekend. Now I can say it, Arshia and Frida, and mean it. <laughs> y'all have an amazing weekend. We will see you on Monday at 8 a.m. <laughs> Central Standard Time for the Daily Morning. Because last night, I promise y'all, I told everyone last night, we'll see you Monday because I was sure today was Saturday. You couldn't tell me today wasn't Saturday, Uncle Jerome. You couldn't tell me. I told Antonio, I was like, hey, you know it's Saturday, right? He's like, no, it's Friday. I and I literally. Grace, I text Grace this morning. Are we having class? <laughs> That's why. Grace said yes, Jerome. <laughs> yeah, that was on me because I, I completely just, a whole day gone. Today's Friday? Today's Friday. <laughs> I, thought yeah. it, I thought it was Thursday. I, look, I thought it was Saturday. <laughs> I promise y'all, I was ready to sleep in late when he woke me up. When he said, when he when he gave me the assignment and he woke me up, he was like, he was like, "This is for today's class." If you didn't finish the last one, I was like, "Okay," but you know, today's Saturday, right? Like, we we get to sleep in some extra time. He's like, "No, it's Friday." <laughs> My feelings were kind. I'm not gonna admit. My I, I will admit my feelings was kind of hurt when he said Friday. I was like, no, no. Let's let's no. ask Melissa what day is today for Melissa. Friday. <laughs> I know because I have interviews for the magazines today. There you go. So, Miss Diana. Yes, ma'am. So, could we get a um a copy? Could we review the um the link from the meeting last night? If you're not a part of the group, you know what? I, if, if you, oh, if you, if you're not a part of the group, is that what you asked? Yeah, we have to be a part of that group. Yes, ma'am, because it's our leadership class. And because of the things that are discussed there. Oh, okay. That's why yeah. I asked. All righty. Thank yes, you, ma'am. Ma
Oh, you're so very welcome. Thank you, Michelle, for asking. Thank you. Well, y'all, enjoy your Friday. Yana, today is Saturday somewhere in the world. Thank you, Arshia. <laughs> I was in another part of the world. That's why it was Saturday. Don't even think about the days of the week. So how about that? Look, somewhere right. part of the world. Somebody's birthday and it's, and it's another day. Come on, look. My, my. You, you might as well celebrate early. Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? Look, source, source me was in another country. Physical me was here. <laughs> y'all have an amazing thank you so much for spending this time with me this morning i appreciate you all y'all have a great weekend enjoy your family enjoy your friends love on each other celebrate your victories because you had some and you forgot so celebrate your victories go out there and have fun y'all all still alive go live Love you all, and y'all have an amazing day. Bye. Love, Love you more. You more. Love you more. Love you more. Love you more.